EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of ESD. My name is Josh King, and this is the podcast for the Established Church by Established Church Pastors. We are so thankful that you are tuning in today, all the way from Amarillo or Amarillo, Texas, uh, pastor of Paramount Baptist Church, is my good friend Andrew Abear co-hosting the show today. Andrew, how's it going? It's going great, Josh. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Everything going well for you over there? Things are going well. Yeah, it's been a busy week, but... Things are going great. Yeah. We're in the middle of hiring a student pastor, and it's a lot of extra work. Well, we just finished calling a campus pastor for our North Campus, and mm-hmm. now we're just about to start uh, trying to find a children's associate. So mm-hmm. if anybody's interested in children's ministry out there and wants to hit me up, we're looking right now. There's um, There was a few moments today I would have probably thought about it because, uh, <laughs> you know. You know how that is. So um, you've brought a friend along with you, somebody I am not personally um, in know of. And uh, so he's going to be a guest on the show today as we talk about this uh, this big topic that faces a lot of churches, especially smaller established churches, is the idea of assimilation, bringing people in, connecting them. Who do we have as our guest today? Yeah, I'm glad to introduce you to Josh Gatewood. Josh and I have become friends over the last few months, and uh, he is from Seminole, Texas, and I pastored in Hobbs, New Mexico, which is like 20 minutes from there. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have a mutual connection with Southern Seminary. Uh, I graduated from there, and Josh, you haven't graduated yet, or have you graduated from Southern? I've not graduated. I'm currently pursuing my MDiv at Southern. Okay, so working as MDiv, and so anyway, we we are uh, uh, friends and have just gotten to know each other, um, become conversation partners on mm-hmm. various topics of ministry. And uh, Josh is a fellow uh, West Texas pastor. He serves as the minister of Next Steps and Assimilation at Stonegate Fellowship in Midland, Texas, mm-hmm. which even though we're both West Texas pastors, believe it or not, he's actually like four hours away from me. So that's how big <laughs> West Texas is. Yeah. But uh, Stonegate Fellowship is a great church. It's a multi-site, uh, large church in uh, the Midland, Odessa area. And Josh, uh, um, it oversees, as his title says, Next Steps in Assimilation. So I thought it would be fun for us just to talk about what they do and just some ideas, maybe some practical tips and advice um, that we could get into in terms of, of pastors for any size church, any context of how to move guests to uh, fully plugged in members. Yeah, I think that's a great topic. It faces, so many people deal with it, and you don't really know what to do with that sort of person. And I think a lot of times we fall into the trap of wanting to be all things to all people, you know, you talk to this guest and you're like really big on this ministry and you talk to that guest and et cetera. So, uh, Josh, I'm so glad that you're on the show today. Did you all, how, how long have you been doing this sort of role? 
Yeah, so I've actually um, been in this role for about three and a half years in some capacity. I came on as the assistant director or the assistant minister to my uh, now boss. He was my boss then, but he stepped up into a larger role. And so I was just kind of his assistant uh, about three and a half years ago. And about uh, about a year and a half ago, he kind of gave me the full reins. And I've been the lead guy in the position ever since. But as far as a church, we've been trying to do this next steps and assimilation process uh, almost since day one. We have about a 20-year history as a church here in Midland. And when I was actually a uh, 17-year-old high school student, I had to go through a version of what we call next steps, which is our membership class, uh, to be able to serve. And then, uh, which was, you know, goodness, ten, you know, about 10 years ago, uh, it was a quite, uh, quite a different look, quite a different feel, even quite a different purpose. And so over the last 10 years, we've really kind of changed and tweaked our goals and our structure and even the entire content of Next Steps and Assimilation so that it looks what it likes, look, looks what, what it does today. Hmm. So, Josh, you were actually a member at Stonegate before you went on staff. That's correct. I was a member for almost 10 years before I came on staff. So, so you, you actually would say, went through uh, the assimilation process. That's right. You're, that's right. You're fully assimilated. I'm fully assimilated. I'm not, <laughs> as you said in your last episode, a delinquent church member. <laughs> I, uh, that was a pretty funny title. That's a person who does illegal man. things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh well. So Josh, talk talk with us about if I was a guest uh, at Stonegate Fellowship in Midland. I've never been before. It's my first Sunday. And I pull up into the parking lot, get out of my car, and start heading towards the church building. Tell me about what my experience is going to be like. Man, that's a great question. Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> 30 minutes. <laughs> to be honest with you, that question right there in many ways drives so much of the philosophy behind assimilation here at Stonegate. Um, to be clear, I'm actually part of a team that helps to answer that question. And so I kind of serve in the middleman role, uh, really kind of overseeing our next steps process in particular, which is our membership process. But there's a lady that oversees our guest services process named Sandy, and she kind of oversees this part in particular. But her goal, her team, her vision is to really communicate some character of the gospel, what she calls from the street to the seat. And so what that means practically is whenever you come up to our parking lot, we're going to have an entire parking team there to greet you and help park you. But they're not just people that are trying to put you in the right parking space. They're actually what we call wayfinders. So in other words, if you're a guest or if you're new or if you're just someone who's pulling into the parking lot, we want to help you find your way into whatever your next step could be. More than likely, you're there to attend a Sunday service, and so we're going to help you find your way to the auditorium. We're going to help help you find your way to your kid's check-in area, wherever that may be. And then from there, to be honest with you, we're going to try to create whatever conversation we can just so you feel the hospitality of Christ in us. And so um, our uh, guest services team is always looking for people who we're not familiar with, And because of that, we have this philosophy of just trying to love the stranger and really avoid Christianese as much as we can, um, because there are many, many, many people uh, in our context who are coming to church for the first time or for the first time in a long time. And so from just that initial stage, we do everything we can to be inviting, to be welcoming, to tear down walls. In fact, uh, our guest services team in particular has a couple of plumb lines that they use to help really kind of shape their values. And one of those plumb lines is that the first visit should set up the second. And another plumb line is that we should make outsiders feel like insiders. And uh, those are just two of the five that we use. But that practically is kind of what we use to shape and direct what we do uh, for your guest. Mm. So I'm going to see somebody in the parking lot 
mm-hmm. um, maybe even before I get out of my car, who's directing me where to park. I get out of my car. I start walking towards the building. Is there somebody at the door? Yeah, so we're going to have a parking team. We're going to have door greeters. We have foyer team members, actually. Um, Our entire guest services team is actually structured to meet somebody at the main points of connection for a first-time guest or visitor. So I'm hitting three people by the time I get to the foyer. At least. At At least least. three people. Yeah. You'll probably actually see a couple of people on our guest services team who are walking families or members across the different areas, whether that's outside of the building or inside of the building. Uh, We actually have a couple of info desk stations that are set up so that whenever you come in and want information or um, the people that are at the info desk are looking out, actually looking intentionally, trying to find people they can take to their next step. And so just to give you a for instance, if we see a family of four that kind of has that deer in the headlights look, if um, the door greeter didn't point them in the right direction or if somebody hasn't already caught up with them uh, by the time they get inside, there are people inside the foyer either at an info desk or that are just standing around waiting to grab that family and ask them, can I help you get your kids checked in? Mm. Can I help you get directed to where you need to go? What are you looking for today that we can help you find? And so that's a very strategic, intentional effort on our part. So let me ask you this. You're at uh, Stonegate Midland, large multi-campus church. Let's say we're, we've got a listener who is a single staff church or maybe at um, just a few staff, one campus, you know, that sort of stuff. What positions like that? That sounds amazing. What positions should they begin with? Maybe that info desk or would you would you say even if you're a small church and you don't have parking issues, begin with a parking lot crew? What would you say? That's a great question. Um, I think that just off the top of my head, I would say that you want to begin with a few people who have a heart to love and welcome people and then ask them where they think would be the best places to go. Off the top of my head, I would say you want a parking team, you want a door greeter, but then you want somebody inside. And so, um, you know, for us, just to be honest with you, we didn't even start doing the multi-site thing until last year. And so we were operating primarily as a one-campus church for a long time. And um, our culture was really just for the longest time, not set up to facilitate a larger cultural shift that was overall a a hospitable place. We had a lot of numbers, but the cultural shift really came whenever we began to identify the individuals who already had a passion for people and who already had a passion for welcoming people and who already had a passion for guests. And so um, we identified those people, put them in strategic places, and really used and leaned onto them to help develop the the right points of connection. Hmm. But if I were to give somebody advice, I would just simply say, Get somebody in the parking lot, get somebody at the door, and then get somebody inside. I think that the goal in all of that is to avoid the wandering guest who's just not sure if this place is welcoming or if it's really for them. You want to try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, that's really helpful. So, okay, I've, I've come in. I've been greeted by multiple people. My kids are checked in. I've been shown into, uh, assumably, the, the worship center. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in the service. How? What's the next step? How do you get in contact with me if I'm a guest? Yeah, this is actually a, another great question. So we recently did an initiative um, about a year ago where we took our normal, what you might call, um, information card or first-time guest card, and we just started calling it the Start Here card. And what we do is um, you'll come in, and so you're a guest, you come in, um, worship will begin, and worship typically begins with uh, at least one song. And throughout the song um, progression or throughout the worship set list, 
our worship ministers are actually saying, hey, glad you're here, welcome, and they're, and they're doing that very intentionally. But after worship is over, there is always somebody who comes up to give live announcements. And for us, that means just kind of letting people know what's going on around our campuses or whatever. But within that, every single time and without fail, we make some sort of comment toward first-time guests, and we just say, we're glad that you're here with us. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you would like to find out more about what we have to offer in terms of a church family, then look at this Start Here card, and it's always inside the uh, the rows of the seats, and fill out that Start Here card so we can get in contact with you. What happens then is whenever we get those Start Here cards turned in, the next day, that person gets a phone call. And so- if they get that, so they turn in the uh, the start here card. I'm assuming that begins uh, a pipeline process of sorts that yeah. you guys have. I mean, I, I assume that's where assimilation begins. Yeah, so that's really where I come in more on this side of things than anything else. So far, everything that I've told you is really guest services proper, and that's in big in, in many ways uh, a huge piece of this. But once the Start Here card gets filled out, it's really important to know that our Start Here card isn't just your generic information. There's also some boxes on that card that identify or help us identify what we can help somebody with. And so uh, a part of that card says, uh, I'm interested in, and then there's boxes. So boxes could be kids ministry, could be marriage and recovery, it could be membership class, it could be uh, next steps. Uh, Whatever the case may be, we actually give them some boxes to check off. And then... When, when we actually collect those cards, that Start Here card goes to the corresponding ministry area. And so if you put kids ministry, it'll go to kids ministry. If you put marriage and recovery, it'll go to marriage and recovery. If it put next steps, then somebody from my team will call you. And then from there, what we do uh, is really try to just make the conversation point with those guests and then help them get into their next phase of connection. Typically what that means is we're going to point them toward our Next Steps class. And whenever Next Steps class actually begins, it's a three-week-long class where they get to hear the history, the vision, and the values of Stonegate Fellowship. They get to get a, a, a broader sense, at least um, in terms of our culture and our and our content, our beliefs. We also, within that class, give them a spiritual growth model to help them identify where they're at right now in their spiritual journey. What we also do is give them a beliefs assessment to help them just identify what questions they have. And really, more than anything else, that paperwork is uh, meant to to help us identify how we can walk with them. Uh, we actually just completed a Next Steps class um, this past Sunday. So like I said, it's three weeks long. We completed what we call Next Steps 3. And it was absolutely stunning how many people on their beliefs assessment uh, we get we have them identify on a scale of one to five what they believe to be true about Jesus and the Bible and whatever else. How many people just said, yeah, I'm a one or I'm a two, which meant I completely disagree with that. I completely don't agree with that. And it set up so many wonderful conversations. As a matter of fact, there was a guy who was from a Jehovah's Witness background on Sunday who came to know the Lord Jesus Christ on Sunday because one of our coaches led him to him. And it was birthed out of that conversation that was produced out of those documents and that assimilation process. Wow, that's such a great uh, word for the need of having these sort of classes because in a lot of churches, you know, that Jehovah's Witness very possibly by the time they get to the third 
um, class that you offer would have already been a member of another church, you know, and had a one or a two on the Bible. So, so far we've been talking about a lot of the pre um, assimilation or the information gathered by specifically Stonegate Church and what they're gathering and the beginning in their assimilation process. We've been talking with Josh Gatewood of Stonegate Church in Midland and uh, my good friend Andrew Aber of uh, Paramount Church in Amarillo. You've been listening to EST, a conversation about the established church with our hosts, Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We'll be back shortly after a brief message from our sponsors. Hey, this is Josh. I wanted to take a few moments just to talk to you about one of our EST sponsors, Trained Up. As a pastor, you know that you need to train your volunteers. You also know that that is one of the hardest things possible to do trying to get their schedules in order, trying to get everybody to show up, planning and organizing the whole thing could take a lot of your pastoring time away from you. With this resource, Trained Up has not only cut the amount of training meetings in half, it's also significantly increased participation by up to 40%. And that's a win for everybody. Not to mention that Trained Up already has courses built in with just about every ministry area you can think of. So even if you don't know what to cover, they've got you covered. And now for a limited time only, Trained Up is offering a 50% discount on their multi-ministry package for two years. Go to trainedup.org to get started today. Thank you to our sponsors who help further the mission of EST. If you'd like to partner with us and have us spotlight your ministry, go to estchurch.com for more information. Now, let's get back to the show. So far, we've been kind of addressing this idea of talking about assimilating people. How do we get them from the street to the seat and then carry on that ministry in there? Our guest today is Josh Gatewood of Stonegate Church in Midland. So glad that you're here, Josh. Um, before, when we were talking about a lot of this, I noticed that you skipped over something that seems to be just sort of a staple for a lot of churches. Do you guys, I've got two questions, kind of one and a follow-up. Do you guys give a gift of any kind to the first-time guest? Uh, we actually don't, no. We do not have a gift process for a first-time guest. See, I think that's huge because I know a lot of smaller churches that don't do any sort of assimilation because they feel like there is a financial barrier. They're like, well, we really can't give something very nice. And and so, you know, we'll just try to be friendly the best we can. What, what would you think of what would you tell those people when you say when they say we can't really do assimilation or that? I know that you were talking about that sort of the the pre assimilating, but you're you're you, mm-hmm. you're starting assimilation that far. What would you say to those folks that say, we can't really do that because we can't, we don't have gifts and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, you know, there's definitely nothing wrong with uh, giving a first-time guest a gift. And, and I want to be very, very clear in that, that there's definitely a, a different strategy there for different contexts. And I think that you got to think through that in your own church. But for us, to be honest with you, uh, the, the biggest, um, I would say, compelling motivation for us is to uh, just put on display the character of Jesus for people so that whenever they come into our uh, church, they don't feel like they're being bribed to stay. They feel like they're actually wanting to stay because of the character and the quality of conversations they're having with people. Now, of course, we can't force that. We can't manufacture that. And we definitely can't ensure that in every case. But I think it moves us to be a people who lean more on our character and who lean more on our conversations and not more on the gift that we could give somebody to keep them coming back. Hmm. I think that's a really great point, and, and I think, uh, Josh, you've touched on something there that's important, and that is context. Uh, you and mm-hmm. I both serve in a West Texas context, 
uh, and the people here are are different than people in in Dallas Fort Worth in some ways. I mean, the church yeah. culture in DFW where Josh King serves is very different. And Josh, I remember you told me one time that you guys at, at a certain point. I don't know if y'all still do this or not, but you guys had um, Dublin Dr Pepper that was like iced for mm-hmm. people, and uh, I thought that was such a great idea. Having lived in DFW for for a number of years and and experiencing that church culture, that would have stuck out to me as a yeah. guest. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been like a really nice thing to leave with and it would have been memorable Mm -hmm. yeah it's a big deal because if you live in texas that was a huge deal to get a dublin dr pepper but recently not too recently ago dr pepper actually shut down the dublin factory and so they no longer make dublin dr peppers you can't buy those what a shame i know but the dublin plant actually makes texas soda so they have texas root beer texas whatever we offer those and what i've seen even in that when we're talking about this context idea is that because we offer these Texas sodas and they are um, refrigerated, so that when when I hand them to you, they're sweating, they're cold, they're you know they're cold in your hand. And we always say, mm-hmm. look, if you came into my home, I'd offer you a cold drink. Welcome to our home. Mm-hmm. So That's the, um, but because we live in North DFW or North Dallas, a ton of our guests are people who just moved from outside of Texas. Almost all of our mm-hmm. guests are people who just moved from outside of Texas. So it's really a very cool thing for them to get an official Texas soda. You know, it's just like this thing that and it says Texas on it, and there's like a little on the cap. So, um, yeah, I think contextually it helps. So Yeah, so jo- Josh Gatewood, getting back to y'all's process. So you've kind Absolutely. of talked with us about – Okay, we've gotten out of the parking lot. We've gotten in the church building. We've had this great experience talking to multiple people. We mm-hmm. filled out a, a start here card, and yeah. now there's been this class. So just talk with us now that I've I've been through some kind of membership class or yeah. a next steps class. Um, how do you go from there to becoming a church member and then becoming a fully assimilated uh, church member? And how do you guys mark what it means to be a fully assimilated? fully plugged in church member a non-delinquent member non-delinquent mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's a great great question so i think it may be helpful to answer that question by uh just spelling out a little bit more what the next steps process actually is and this will also answer your question josh because uh, what we've found is that whenever we get asked by other churches how we how they can institute a process similar to ours they are actually amazed at how easy it actually can be done and how you can do it at pretty much a low cost because you can utilize a lot of the things that are in the scriptures and that are also part of the gifting of people that are already in your local context and so here's what we do um, we actually have a rotating advertisement every single month on a frequent basis to sign up for next steps to sign up for next steps and sign up for next steps and we tell people that next steps is the best place where you can find out more about Stonegate Fellowship and how to get better connected. It really is kind of a bottleneck for us because we're also a pretty large church and it helps really to create smaller environments to get people moving in the right direction. For us, Next Steps 1 or Week 1 of Next Steps is where they're going to hear that history, vision, and values that I talked about. Prior to that, however, we're going to send them some paperwork, and that paperwork is going to be a beliefs assessment, but it's also going to be just an outline detail of their personal salvation story or where they are at this point already. That's going to come into play here in a little bit. In week two, we actually teach them about our philosophy of servant leadership. And in that process, what we're trying to do is point them to this call that as a follower of Jesus, we're all called to be serving in some capacity. Now, we do not make it a requirement that in order to be a member, you have to start serving in kids ministry or youth ministry. But we do raise the call pretty high to say you should be serving serving in some capacity. And we talk about not just the what, but the how to do that in a way that is actually healthy. Uh, We really benefit a lot 
from just the whole idea of serving from a healthy soul. And so we try to teach those things. And then in week three, in week three, this is where kind of the, the rubber meets the road. In week three, we take all the paperwork that they have given us, and then we pair people up with members of our church, and we send that paperwork to those members to read and review so that whenever the the person who's in the Next Steps process comes to their final class, they're actually paired with what we call a membership coach. And that coach sits with them, listens to their story, answers their questions, talks to them about their salvation, and then points them in the right direction for connection, growth, and influence based upon where they're at and where they think they might be. And so for the guy that I mentioned earlier, obviously a next step for him was coming to know Jesus. He did not know Christ. But for many people, a next step for them is getting plugged into a small group. For many people, it's getting plugged into the youth ministry because they didn't know what their on-ramp was. And so in many ways, this assimilation process for us, we're trying to say, what's your on-ramp? Well, next steps is going to be your on-ramp. Once you've taken that on-ramp, what's your next step after next steps? In fact, we say to people at the very beginning of class, we want your next steps experience to be a launching pad and not a finish line. And because of that, we've had a lot of folks who have really just loved the Next Steps process. We currently have 35 individuals signed up for the October class. A pretty regular number for us is around 25. And so to answer your question, Andrew, um, that's what the process looks like. That's how somebody becomes a member uh, in that final coaching phase of Next Steps. Uh, once somebody has had their conversation with their coach, if they know Jesus, if they are committed to following Jesus, and if they are willing to sign our membership covenant, then we go ahead and accept them as a member. But we go through the interview process with them first. Josh, when do you hold these uh, Next Step 1, 2, and 3? It is week one, week two, and week three of every single month, nine months out of the year. So we actually take a break for uh, November, December, and January. I'm sorry, back that up. We actually take a break for uh, December and June and July. So we just started doing it this last year in November and January, but we take a break for the summer and for uh, December. When do you hold them like through what day and week? You know, so it's just on Sundays, uh, just okay. on Sundays, and we hold them from nine o'clock in the morning until eleven o'clock in the morning. So they are each a two-hour class. Um, for many people, we tell them that this will likely replace your Sunday um, worship experience, mm-hmm. uh, and we're actually okay with that because the the content and the way we teach it, we teach a lot of gospel, we teach a lot of scripture. And we teach a lot, a lot of Jesus mm-hmm. in those next steps classes. And so we try to really build it around um, the truth of God's Word so that whenever somebody has to replace the preaching ministry of the church for their membership class, they're not having to trade one for the other. They're just getting one on top of the other. Mm. I know that would be a hindrance for a lot of the like single staff churches because they're thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the pastor. If I'm going to do this— I'm preaching at that time. When would you suggest another time, maybe a conducive time? Maybe you've done something different in the past that worked, or do you have any ideas on that? So I would say two things. I would say one, I would say if you're definitely the, the single pastor guy, I would say to definitely uh, don't feel like you have to do a two-hour class or even a three-week-long class. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that the, the biggest thing is to find out what works for you and your context to, in some ways, open the door to facilitate the conversation. One of the big driving factors behind Next Steps becoming what it is today is figuring out ways to have that coaching conversation where we can really 
get to know people and really get to know who these new members are and where they're coming from and those sort of things. The second thing I would say is that, um, ironically, uh, our Next Steps classes are actually hardly ever taught by staff members. Uh, we have tried really hard to identify the individuals in our churches who have somewhat of a teaching gift or who at least are just committed to the culture of Stonegate and who can reproduce and re tell some of the story or the beliefs or the vision of Stonegate Fellowship to other people. Uh, and so we actually try to really hard just delegate and equip certain people who have an interest and a gift for that role, and then we would just release them to do it. I um, was really gra- glad this last month. I actually did not teach either one of our Next Steps classes except for the third one. And what that meant for me was just I stood up at the for 10 minutes at the, at the beginning of class and just said, thank you so much for taking time to be in this process. Let me tell you about what the coaching process will look like. So I really didn't even teach much of anything. I just kind of facilitated that last week. Hmm. I know one of the shifts that we've made that if you are at a a similar size church to ours that has been very beneficial to us is we actually offer these on Sunday evening at my home because it's much it's fewer people so we have about 10 that are coming to this one or we're anticipating that um, this Sunday night we have it at our home for dessert and so there's mm-hmm. that very personal touch of being in the pastor's home and I'm leading yeah. it and that's a good time for me so if you're at a, a smaller that might be a good fit for you um, just I'm glad kind you said that, idea. Josh. That that came to mind whenever you asked me the question, and I didn't get to it. I'm glad you said that because I think that, to be honest with you, there's just going to be a lot of context where this sort of trying to cram everything into the morning, especially if you're a staff member, is just not going to work. And again, if the goal is to really get to know people, what better way to invite them into your home or just to do it in a more casual atmosphere in the evening? And so I think that's a that's a great suggestion. Mm. Josh, I remember hearing uh, John Mark Caton, who's a pastor in the Dallas area, say this one time <clears throat> that he, he went to he pastors uh, Cottonwood Creek Baptist Church. And that used to, to be a church, I think, that ran about 100 people. And now I think they've run over a thousand, well over a thousand. He said his whole mentality was we're going to minister to the next person who walks through our front door, whoever mm-hmm. that is and whatever they need. And then mm-hmm. we're going to minister to the next one and the next one and the next one. But it was that sense of we're going to we're going to look at the individual mm-hmm. you know and we're going to mm-hmm. care, get to know them care for them and interact with them on a one-on-one basis and we're just going to do it again and again and again that is so helpful and so i think such a healthy mentality to bring into the context of hospitality and welcoming the stranger into the mm-hmm. context of, of our worship gatherings can you Absolutely. believe we're, we're – I mean we're almost out of time here. It's been such a great conversation, Josh, and all this information, and I love all the the one-liners you guys say. There's got to be a whole department at your church that coins these little <laughs> phrases. I think that's fantastic. In the last few minutes that we have, have you seen any um, things like uh, like bad moves or bonehead moves that churches mm. try to do that maybe they're, they just don't realize that's not going to help you? Can you give us one, Man. two, three of those? Can we go another 30 minutes to talk about our own experience? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's man, another great question. So I think the first thing I would say is um, don't ever try to mimic one for one what another church is doing. Mm. Uh, because when you try to mimic somebody, you're assuming that their context is identical to yours, that their people are identical to yours, and that their leadership structure is identical to yours. And the fact of the matter is that's just not true. You can't take what somebody's doing in Toronto and put it into West Texas and probably any more than you could take what you're doing over in Dallas-Fort Worth and put it over even in Midland, Texas, where we are. And so I would say to be very, very careful that whenever you're trying to learn and grow and develop any sort of strategy or principle that will benefit you and help you serve people, that you always, always, always filter it through your context and filter it through your leadership vision and strategy. 
that has um, proved to be helpful for us because we did the opposite in many ways for a long time and have learned that uh, that's just not going to be very helpful. Uh, the other thing with that is that it enables you to make your strategy for assimilation your own. It's birthed from your own heart rather than just transplanted from somebody else's to yours. And so it keeps you from being inauthentic and disingenuous. The second thing I would say um, to be honest with you, as far as personal pitfalls and things to avoid, um, is kind of what Andrew just said a while ago, is to always, always focus on seeing people and not just seeing new members. Mm. In other words, we don't want to depersonalize the assimilation process because we care about the attendance roster or the role or what our end-of-year budget meeting is going to say about us. Uh, whenever we see people, it enables us to actually connect with people and feel what they feel. And I think that ultimately enables us to empathize with them, put ourselves in their shoes, and then ask the questions like, what would, what would I want out of a new experience? What sort of questions are they really asking? Are they confused? Are they unsure? And so it enables us to put us, put ourselves in a position to actually serve them and assimilate them well because we're not seeing them as part of a pipeline that's depersonal, but as part of a pipeline that leads to a family and a connection. Wow, that's huge. Thank you so much, Josh, for jumping on the show today and talking about assimilation. I know this is going to be a huge thing for a lot of our listeners. Our, um, speaking of listeners and Twitter and all that sort of stuff, you can follow us on Twitter at EST Church. Our follower this week that I kind of want to highlight has already been mentioned in the show. His name is Andy DeHart, or DeHart81. He is... Andrew's new campus pastor. The only reason I mention him is because I kind of think he was sucking up to his new boss and he was on Twitter trying to get a byline or something on our show, but um, we do appreciate him listening. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at AndyDehart81 and um, follow him along for all sorts of um, Pastor Andrew A. Bear is the best person in the world sort of tweets. I, I'm expecting those to, to come down the line. So, All right. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.